Thanks for choosing to worship with us today, whether you're online, whether you're in the house. Uh, But we want you to know that wherever you are and whenever you listen, that you are a part of the Good Shepherd family. If it's the first time you've worshipped with us today, uh, welcome to the family. We're glad you're here. Um, We want to take a moment to wave to our folks online and folks in the house so that we can feel that family connection and know that we are all a part of God's family. Uh, for those of you online, if you'll comment in the section of the, in the comment section, let us know about prayer requests. That will give us the opportunity to connect with you and pray with you and for you during the week. Uh, we love hearing from all of you. Even if you're in the house and you feel the spirit move, go ahead and shout it on out. We, uh, uh, we would love to hear that God's moving in your life. Um, I'm Pastor Regina, for those of you who may not know that, and we welcome you to Good Shepherd this morning. This morning we're going to attempt to answer the question, why we do what we do. We just completed a Messages From series where we heard messages from God as told through various children's stories. These messages are time-honored ones that God's unconditional and persistent love and, that, and, and of God's desire to be in relationship with us. We heard about authentic characteristics of that followers of Christ should, should emulate, such as forgiveness and acceptance, such as generosity and selflessness. All of these lessons are significant and leave us asking the questions, how do we transform our lives, ourselves, our congregation, the Big C Church and our community into people and places that reflect these characteristics and actions? How is it that we take the lessons off the page and and form them into a reality? We can start by discovering why we do what we do. Now this question we pose this morning can, can take many directions. Directions in our personal lives, our worship, even our faith practices call us to revisit our motivation, to reimagine how to enhance our lives so that the relationship with God and others can be authentic and meaningful. Too often we get so caught up in doing and discussing and discerning that the least little diversion can grab our attention and cause us to lose focus on why we are Christ followers in the first place. Let us watch this short clip that kind of brings it to mind on how those distractions cause us to to, to lose focus. Speak! Hi there! Did that dog just say hi there? Oh, yes. My name is Doug. I just met you, and I love you. My master made me this collar. He is a good and smart master, and he made me this collar so that I may talk. Squirrel! We can all be a lot like Doug the dog, can't we? We think we're on the right track of what it is we we have to say or do, and, and along comes something that catches our attention, and squirrel, there we go. Off on another train of thought, down another rabbit trail of activity, and possibly forgetting what our original task was and why it was important. We can get so caught up in the things that, the way things have always been done, we can be so keen on being the loudest voice with all the right answers, we can be so focused in in what needs to be done that we forget why we were all here in the first place. While we are so busy doing what we do, personally, as a church, as a denomination, we lose focus and we become distraction. We may even lose trust in those foundations of faith. Does that sound familiar to anyone? In our scripture reading this morning, which I forgot to do, 
Let's do that so we can connect that. Davis, can we jump back really quickly? But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it and from how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is, judge, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message. Be persistent, whether in time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will, put, will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, enduring suffering, do the work of an evangelist. Carry out your ministry fully. The Word of God to the people of God. There's some tough challenges in that passage, isn't it, this morning? What we want to do as, as followers of Christ, we're, we're called... people. Paul is urging us in this scripture. Let's go back to that. Paul is urging us in this scripture to proclaim the message... To be persistent and be patient with others in our rebuke and in our encouragement. Sometimes, practicing our faith can be overwhelming and our foundations of faith begin to crack and crumble amid the loud voices trying to distract us with expectations of those around us that cause us to lose focus. As Christ followers, we're called to celebrate our faith and embrace ways of expressing our faith that may be different than to which we are accustomed these new expressions will cause our faith to grow deeper as we remain true to the gospel message and stay grounded in Christ. Now, in order to grow deeper in our faith, we must explore the answers to our questions of why we do what we do. Are our practices of faith, our elements of worship, our rituals within worship simply motions that we go through? Or, or are they authentic and meaningful to who we are in Christ and in keeping with the gospel message that we're trying to send? What speaks to one will not speak to all. For some of us, it's the music through which the Spirit speaks as, as we lose ourselves in its rhythm, its flow, and its message. For others, it's a reading of the ancient text that throughout our lives where the Spirit speaks whatever message we need to hear in the unfamiliar and time-honored words. Still others connect through God, to God through prayer, both corporate and personal, with words that, that, that bring us into God's presence. We, we, do, we plea and we praise God and we lift these to the one we worship. The sacraments, those sacred moments in our faith, those are, are other ways and means by which we tangibly participate in experiencing God's grace, mercy, and unconditional love, whether for the first time or for some of us each time we participate. We participate in all these faith practices so, so that we can connect with the one who created us, 
so that we can be filled with the Spirit and go into the world to show others a better way to live and to lead others to Christ. There are other expressions of faith that, while important, can distract us from the main focus of glorifying God, particularly if it's something that everyone else is doing in worship. Or it's more comforting to hear than to to do the challenge and be convicted by that gospel message. When the novelty of these faith expressions outweigh the pointing to God's kingdom and the elevation of Christ, then that expression becomes a distraction rather than a new way to worship or a new practice of faith. We must be careful not to let our itching ears be scratched by unsound doctrine. Now Paul offers us some reminders this morning through our scripture for our faith journey to remain sound. We must keep these thoughts in mind as we practice our faith. We must be persistent in proclaiming the truth of the gospel. Now that truth is that God loves us more than we can ever comprehend. Say that together. God loves us more than we can comprehend. Now that us means everyone. It, it even those that persons deem un, in a society deem unworthy. Now before we begin blaming society, let's be honest that even some of us sitting here this morning have an opinion on who is worthy of God's love or not. Truth is, everybody is worthy of God's love and receives that love before they even know they need it. The gospel message not only proclaims that God loves us and and that we can do nothing about it, but we also did nothing to deserve it or earn God's love. God's love is a grace-filled gift offered to us, to all people. It is because of this undeserved and unconditional love that we are called to love our neighbor, even when it's difficult, or let's face it, even when we really don't want to. The truth is the sec- this truth is that second foundational thought of the gospel message. We're to love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves. Now the distraction that pulls us away from this gospel truth is that, that the world tells us that we must do whatever it takes to get ahead. The harder we work, the more we have, the more we have, the better we are, the better we are, the more we're loved, the more we're loved, the more we influence we have over others. And the more we influence we have over others the more we control our own destiny. Sounds like inviting advice, but it's contrary to the gospel message. I'm not saying to love God is is, is an easy thing to do. If it were, we would not be human. Everyone is not ready to hear that grace is free and that God's love is unconditional. It's difficult to comprehend that God's love within us grows us a deep desire to love and serve others. Yet the difficulty to act is is not an excuse for us to lie dormant and remain stagnant in our faith practices. When we read books or listen to podcasts that seem to make faith easy, when we hear a practice of faith that looks flashly and seemingly produces overnight successes in growing our faith, we wonder or become distracted and think, if we could just flip a switch and make the world a better place, to become great disciples through osmosis, wouldn't life be better? We forget that discipleship takes work and, and, and faith must be practiced to become deeper. When, when We may even become cynical and think, everyone else has it together. Other churches have the right answer. Those practices of faith increase numbers. We forget that focusing on teaching wide produces a faith 
that digging deeper sustains our faith through the rough times. We must be patient. Yes, it's hard, but it's necessary. We must continue to be patient and tell the story of our faith. The reasons that we came to believe that the gospel message was important. We must tell the story of of why the gospel message resonates with the innermost being. How others living out their faith encourages us. And maybe even attracted us to the gospel message in the first place. Can you remember when the gospel message clicked with you? I'm not talking about your conversion experience or your faith practices from childhood. I'm talking about that moment or maybe even moments when the revelation of God's unconditional love and grace became real to you. I'm talking about that aha moment when you could do nothing but accept that you were in the presence of something greater than yourself and you desired nothing more than to embrace that moment and share it with others. Having been reared in the church and and since I was dropped into this world, having been surrounded by love and acceptance all my life, and having the privilege to experience a faith family and grow my faith in the same church until young adulthood, it's difficult for me to name that one moment when my faith became real. I can point to a time when my faith, the questions surrounding it, and my struggles accepting it began to solidify and make sense with everything that I experienced along my faith journey. It was while attending an Emmaus weekend and the fourth days that followed. And when I'm talking about fourth days, I'm not talking about day number four. I'm talking about those days as we go forth into our journey of faith. During the Emmaus walk weekend, there were, many fo- there were folks from my childhood, uh, from my childhood church, who I hadn't seen in 15 years or so, that were members. There were members of my current faith community and mentors in the faith whose relationships were just beginning to develop. They all came together as leaders on this weekend. All could speak and nurture the aspects of my faith that were bubbling up as I began to struggle with the call to ministry. It was during this weekend and throughout experiences that followed where I remembered what drew me to my faith in the first place. Not church membership or attendance, but to my faith. The music, the talks, the sacrament of Holy Communion, the practice of unconditional love by the team leaders all came together to remind me that God's love is at the very foundation of the gospel message. It is because of this love that we and other, we love others and are called to a life of prayer, study, and action. Have there been distractions along the journey? Have there been voices calling me to stray from what I know to be God's truth? Have my itching ears wanted to hear a different message at times? Have the squirrels of this world captured my immediate attention from time to time? Absolutely. Yet God always wins in the end. Good triumphs over evil and and the truth of God's message always rings true. So I challenge you this morning to think about those things which first drew you to the Christian faith. To remember what connects your faith to Christ. Where have you seen God's love and grace at work in your life? Keep digging deeper in God's Word. Let yourself be stretched by what you read and hear. May the Word made flesh be revealed to you in new and exciting ways. Now it's not going to happen just by hoping it will. 
You have to make yourself available for the Spirit to speak, teach, and yes, even convict and rebuke. But be patient. God is with each of us. Remember, all of us are worthy in God's eyes of receiving God's love. God desires a relationship with us, even the worst of us who are here this morning. May we allow God to shape us and our story to be shared with others. Let us create a new story of of the good news that God has to share with us. Let God's words transform our story that will lead someone else into a relationship with Christ. Friends, that's why we do what we do along the faith journey. We We proclaim God's love and God's truth and live according to it so that others can experience God's love and grace. Sometimes it will connect. Sometimes we must be patient. But God's love and the gospel message will persevere and bring hope in the midst of the world's chaos and suffering. Cling to God's love and mercy as you hear and share the good news of the gospel. Speaking of why we do what we do, we may wonder why at times that we participate in the sacrament of Holy Communion. We do it to remember the sacrifice that God made on the cross and to celebrate God's love for us. We participate in Holy Communion to celebrate the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We do it to experience the means of God's grace in our lives. Sadly, and far too often, our participation in the sacrament becomes rote. We just do it because it's a part of worship. We go through the motions because we've always done it that way. This morning, I invite you to participate in the sacrament of Holy Communion differently. Connect with God as you participate in God's meal of love and grace. Everyone is invited. No matter where you are or or what you've done, as long as you desire to live in peace with yourself and with one another, let us take a moment this morning. Let us take a moment to confess those things in our lives that distract us and separate from our connection with God. Holy God, we know, we know that we are human. We know that because of that humanness that, that, that we're faulty, that sometimes we do and say things that are contrary to your love and grace. Lord, we take a moment this morning to confess those things which have kept us from seeing you, that have kept us from acting for you. And Lord, we know, we know that we are forgiven and that Christ has done great things for us so that we may understand as best we can in our human form that you love us and forgive us for all that we do. Amen. There are certain aspects of of the communion ritual that that must take place for, for the meal to be blessed and consecrated to God. Jesus instituted this meal on the night in which he was recreated, and he shook up this ancient practice of those who were sitting around the table who were accustomed to what was to come next. That may be where some of you are this morning as, as we approach the communion table. Jesus didn't do things that night the way things had always been done. He gathered with his friends, and he took the bread, 
And he blessed that bread. And he gave it, he gave thanks for that. He took ordinary bread and told his disciples that from this day forward, every time they ate the bread, to be reminded of him and what he had done. Then he took that last cup of wine. He blessed it and gave thanks for it and connected that new covenant that he was about to institute to the ancient covenant of a covenantal people. He told these friends that this new covenant was to be a covenant of forgiveness and that each time they drank this cup, they were to do so in remembrance of him. So today, let us remember the mighty acts of Jesus Christ and know that Christ died for us, has risen, and that he will come again. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you pour out your Spirit on all of us in this sanctuary this morning. We ask that you pour your Spirit on, these, on this bread and on this wine so that, so that we may become part of your Spirit. That, we may be, that you may become known to us in the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the cup so that we can become for the world the body of Christ, redeemed and forgiven. May we, Lord, be infused with your Spirit as we come to the table and celebrate you this morning. Amen. If those who are going to assist me will come forward. come this morning, come knowing that this is not the United Methodist table. This is not Good Shepherd's table. This is the table of Christ. And all are invited to come. served by intention this morning. We have gluten-free options and single-serve options that um, that if you're not comfortable in, with intention that you may participate. We will take a piece of bread, break it off, you will dip it in the cup, and as always the altar is open for those of you who wish to spend some time.
place knowing you are loved and sitting in the potter's hand. Go in peace.